We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners only 10% discount to Rotoviz by using the code RVRADIO2022. That's RVRA. DIO2022. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the Rotoviz content and tools, and it supports the podcast channel. Now, without further ado, here's the latest edition of the Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen. Happy Tuesday evening as we are on the precipice of week six of the 2023 NFL fantasy football season. I am your host, Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, the uh, Better Sports Network's High Stakes Fantasy Football Show, and of course, the FFPC. Follow me on the X at Eric Balkman, and of course, follow the FFPC on the X machine at FFPC. Welcome in to the latest episode of the Road of This High Stakes Lowdown, brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. Uh, I want to remind everybody that you can go to myffpc.com, that's myffpc.com, right now to play the Week 6 FFPC Weekly Challenge. There is no draft. There is no salary cap. You're just picking players, the players that you want. You can pick 10 of them if you want to play without kickers and defenses. You can pick 12 of them if you want to play with kickers and defenses. That is all going on right now uh, at uh, myffpc.com. All you got to do is pick your players and watch them ride throughout the weekend. Remember, only one player per team. So you can't do any fancy stacks of Jared Goff and Amon Ross, St. Brown. You can't do any Patrick Mahomes and Rasheed Rice or whatever crazy things you want to do. You can't do that. One player per team. Enter for $35. Enter for $200 and win up to $2,500. Again, myffpc.com. Myffpc.com is where to go to play in the FFPC Weekly Playoff Challenge. Remember to like this video, subscribe to the channel, comment on the video, share this video with your friends and enemies and get notified anytime we go live. Because uh, with if, if you are, are able to follow through with all of that, we're going to bring on better content, the best content and the best fantasy players each and every week here on not only the High Stakes Lowdown, but the Better Sports Network's HSFF show and of course the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. Uh, this week, it's no slouch. Uh, we're going to have on a 65-time winner of the FFPC Main Event, the FFPC Bare Knuckle, the Fantasy Pros Championship, the FFPC Dynasty. This guy has done it all in his career. He joins me tonight as he is going for a pair of $1 million grand prizes in both the FFPC Main Event and the Fantasy Pros Championship. You follow him on the X, at Chris Birchby. Please welcome in the incomparable Chris Birchby. Chris, so glad to have you tonight. Thank you so much for hanging out on a Tuesday with the FFPC. No, it's it's awesome to be here. I, I think I was um, honored to be on once before, and I feel like it was it was a couple, like, four years ago. 
something like that. So um, no, I'm, I'm listen. I'm thrilled to be on. I spend a significant amount of um, hours per week on the FFPC platform and thinking about all things FFPC. So it's uh, it's fun to be here. Thanks for having me. I, well, we're glad to have you, uh, Chris. And and obviously, anytime we can get the man responsible for keeping the Kardashian skin so clear and smooth and sexy. We definitely appreciate everything you've done for with Kula uh, over the years for the Kardashians as well. So we're, we're definitely excited to have you on tonight. Uh, we're, that, that will complete the Kardashian talk for tonight, but let's get in uh, to what we're going to be talking about tonight. Jaleel McLaughlin plays Thursday night against the Chiefs. We're going to talk about what you need to do with him. Zach Moss, what a week he had for the Indianapolis Colts. We're going to be talking about him as well uh, with Jonathan Taylor now one week behind him as he begins his comeback to being the number one running back for the Indianapolis Colts. Let's kick things off tonight, uh, um, Chris, with um, I don't want to say he's the story of the fantasy football season because we're it's still early October. We don't know what the story of the fantasy football season is going to be yet. But my God, Puka Nakua a guy who was either picked up off waivers or drafted in one of the last few rounds of FFPC main event or fantasy pros championship drafts has set the world on fire. Um, Cooper cup came back this week. And I think that collective sigh you heard was all those Nakua managers who have him on their team, letting out a sigh of relief that yes, this guy officially will have value. According to Sean McVay, according uh, to Matthew Stafford, this guy is going to have value going forward even with a healthy Cooper Cup. The question to you is, based on what you saw against Philadelphia, who is not does, does not have a good secondary, how kind of confident are you that Nakua is going to finish as a top 15 wide receiver this season? So first, I mean, I got to say, I got kind of lucky on, on Puka as far as ownership percentage. Um, you know, I'll give you a shameless plug for the, uh, the FFPC software and ownership percentage you can go – as you were talking, I just wanted to go double check, you know, plug it in here across all my leagues, including best ball, because I did a bunch of the best ball. He's my number one owned guy at 38.04%. Funny enough, I, he's exactly tied in the league. It goes him and Zach Moss are my two most owned guys. Adam Thielen is my third most owned guy. Sam Laporta, number four. Um, Isaiah Pacheco, number five. Um, and then I got got a little squirrely. Wandale Robinson, Kadarius Tony. Hey, uh, Keontae Ingram. Maybe my time is 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 come. There's a Flowers, Kyle Pitts, Ooch, um, Christian Watson, Dalton Kincaid. I'm still waiting on him. But um, no, Puka. You know, JJ Zacharyson, one of the analysts I listen to a lot. Um, who you know I value and shout out um, him and Sigmund Bloom and you know guys at uh, Football Guys and. Um, you know, who really, um, listen, I don't have time to digest all that data myself, although I make a lot of database decisions. I'm relying on, you know, some of the experts who put in just hours to put this stuff together um, to help me get the data I need. And, you know, uh, one of the, the, the stats, uh, conversations that JJ was having in the preseason on Puka was, you know, BYU, they just, they were trying to get this guy the ball. They were giving him the ball running back. Like they were scheming things up for him. And that's what, you know, you do with, with good players. Um, you try to get the ball in their hands. You know, and he goes to an offense where, you know, and at the time, you know, Cup was still there. But, you know, who's behind him? Um, you know, Higby is kind of parentally disappointed. And I think he's got a real ceiling, you know, to his game. Um, although I you know, still ended up with a ton of him this year too. But um, so anyway, I was uh, – I, I got in on, on Puka early – and, um, you know, didn't play him in as many spots as I wanted week one. I've, I've made a pop for it. I mean, he's a must start for me everywhere. You know, is he going to be top 15 now? I mean, that's maybe, you know, you know, if not, he's going to be, you know, somewhere close um, afterwards. He's, he's high enough that I'm going to keep on playing him until something happens. But he's, um, you know, people are you know, lucky enough to get him at this point. I mean, he's, he's a guy that I hope to have a, a Nakua jersey at the end of the year. To, to you know, represent all the the uh, you know the the wins that he gave me through the season. The um, I, and I think that's smart, right? Like because like we can argue whether he's going to be a top fifteen or uh, guy or not, but when it comes down to it, basically what we're looking at is is this guy startable going forward? And the answer we got again again against a vulnerable Eagles secondary, the answer we got is yes, you should be starting him even when Cooper Cup's healthy. And oh by the way, 
just because Cooper Cup is back now and just because he's healthy now doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to be healthy the rest of the season. I've always said the NFL is a young man's game. If Cooper Cup were to go down again, which, you know, you can't predict injuries, but he is getting up there. Um, there, there is a non-zero chance that Nakua could be the type of guy that is getting 15, 16 targets a game if Cooper Cup misses again. And that's all we care about for fantasy football. Speaking of a guy getting a lot of targets at the wide receiver position, there's another guy you mentioned to answer that question, and that was Adam Thielen. What did you like about him um, in, in the preseason when you were drafting all these teams, and how close is he to being a must-start when the Panthers travel down to South Beach to take on the Dolphins this Sunday, Chris? Man, you know, so I got to say, I even mistakenly let him go in a couple leagues when I started the season, including one um, dynasty league where I'm kind of playing for the next year as a startup. Um, and, you know, somehow I'm, I'm still in playoff contention and he would have been a big part of that. And I mistakenly let him go and we'll you know, regret that. But again, that's one of those things where um, part of the process, uh, at least my process, is trying to get myself in uh, the ownership and our coach's shoes and their decision making, you know, because a lot of it just falls on that. You know, if, if guys, if ownership, if they're making a bet on on certain players, you know, they're, they're betting part of their career on that. You know, they have a couple, only a couple of times you can make these big bets and whiff or, or you know, and part of this is not just a bet on Thielen, it's a, um, on Bryce Young. You know, and they're still talking about needing to get him a wide receiver one. I'm not sure where that's going to come from at this point in the season, but as they can, you know, trade for Mike Evans or Devontae Adams, it doesn't look like Mike Evans is going anywhere because Tampa's doing so well. Um, but, um, no, you know, they gave Thielen a $25 million deal. Um, really, it's like a two-year deal. Um, you know, I, was, I was looking that up earlier, and, you know, he's, it's uh, $11 million is um, guaranteed uh, at signing. He's got an $8.3 bonus. They can really let him go after year two. Yeah, but they, they've, they've got him in there. And I mean, I remember the skills competition they had, uh, I don't know, like two years ago or something like, you know, he was just catching everything. And he's such a, he's such a technician that, um, you know, he's, he's that safety blanket. He's like an ideal safety blanket for a young quarterback. So, you know, given the lack of, you know, other options in, in depth there, um, it just seemed like things were lining up for him to have opportunity. And again, you look at opportunity, the coaches are going to give them opportunity and ownership because that's what they signed him for. You know, they doesn't have a lot of competition on there. Yeah, he's old and that's the knock against him. And I think people maybe went too far on that. I mean, I'm always guilty of that. You want to get the young guys and the ascendant guys, especially in the big tournament plays like we do in FFBC, where they're peaking towards the end of the season and peaking during the playoffs. Um, you know, and a guy like Thielen, you know, knock on him in the beginning of the year, at least, you know, my thinking is, Oh, is he going to be, yeah, he might be soaking up some um, kind of low upside, high floor, low upside targets in the beginning of the year, but he's going to seed them to Mingo later in the year. And is Mingo the play that you want? Because he's going to be the guy come weeks, you know, 14, 15, 16, 17, who's going to take you to the promised land in that offense. I mean, listen, if you're banking on that offense, that, that, uh, that, they have a good back of the season schedule. You know, uh, Bryce is disappointed. I was hoping he'd be coming out a little bit better. His processing time, et cetera, you know, is what um, I was hoping would get him ahead of the curve sooner. It's still, you know, I, I think there's still a good chance that it can come. He's going to come on later in the season. I think Thielen, um, I mean, I had, I didn't think he was going to do as good as he's doing. Yeah. Um, and I'm still, you know, had lineups where um, he wasn't starting. And as I was going through lineups today, inserting them in, in places where um, – you know, Phil's not even almost uncomfortable, but he he's he's demonstrated he's the man. And um, so I don't want to, uh, you know, be too much results oriented, just plugging him in after the last couple of weeks. But, um, you know, he's the guy there in that offense. And so, I mean, if you've got him, I feel like, you know, unless you're a stacked team, you got to play him. I, I, I totally agree with you. And and I'm, I'm kind of in the same spot as you where I'm coming on to him, right? Like I, at the start of the season, wasn't really paying, playing him at all. But I look at these target shares the last few weeks, and and now he has been starting for me as a flex, uh, as a guy that can come in and yeah, he may maybe his floor or excuse me, maybe his ceiling is not as high as as some of these other guys. But at the same time, like that, what he is doing, um, like as far as a floor goes, um, he's almost a must start. And then you go to um, uh, Miami this week, where you think even with or without a chan, um, Dolphins are going to be putting up points. Carolina is going to have to keep up with that. Uh, 
you pointed out Bryce Young has already identified Thielen as his safety blanket. He's going to keep throwing to him. I love that call there. Um, let's go to a lesser-owned player and, and for sure a lesser-started player uh, at the wide receiver position, and that's Wandale Robinson. Wandale Robinson was a guy two weeks ago, Chris, that, that I put in modest bids everywhere to try to get him as sort of my new last receiver on my roster, just trying to figure out <clears throat> and take a stab at this Giants wide receiver core, right? He goes to Buffalo this week. I know Buffalo is on the quasi-short week coming back from London, but you're looking at Wandale Robinson on primetime in a Giants offense that's clearly broken. Is there sneaky startability with Wandale Robinson this week, or is he still a stash for those players who have been picking up? And let's see what happens with Daniel Jones in this offense once Saquon Barkley gets back. I mean, he's a guy that you can start him that's, you know, he's a condom start, right? He's the guy that's going to give you a really low, low ceiling, higher PPR floor. But I mean, I say high PPR floor, eight points. You know, he's probably, he's going to be, he's going to be in that very narrow range. Of, he's going to give you somewhere between, you know, seven and 11 points. Um, you know, if he does more, great. Listen, I'm a Giants fan. I grew up in New Jersey. Um, I try not to be a homer in my picks for fantasy football. Um, still probably have too much Daniel Jones on my teams. Um, uh, pairing him with Richardson everywhere. So that, that's, that's oh. bumming me out this week. Um, uh, it just seemed like they'd fall nicely if you're kind of, you know, holding off on QBs in the, in the early season drafts. But, you know, it's, um, is, you know, is anyone good in that offense to start? I mean, he, I think he's been soaking up a lot of these, you know, his A dot is, is like, 3.4 or something like that. Um, you know, I was I was looking him up before sort of thinking about this. Yeah, he's, he's say that's 3.4, that's 99th in the league. You know, I'll tell you one thing that you know I found on the plus side, yeah, he's got a uh 28.2% target rate, which ranks 14, mm. you know, but but Saquon's not in, and he's almost acting like a running back right now. You know, he's everything's he's getting the ball at the line of scrimmage um as he's popping out. So um, you know, that and that's where I say, you know, he's a he's He's a, um, you know, a low ceiling dude in the fact that you're not plugging him in to win, but you're plugging him in if you don't want to lose and you just need to get points. I mean, if you don't, if you want to be safe, listen, plug him in. I found myself plugging him in some places and it was uncomfortable. Um, but I think, you know, he's going to give you points. And, uh, you know, you look back at last year before he was injured and, you um, yeah, I just remember he was getting like, you know, with eight, nine, 10, 11 targets in game. I mean, he's, he's a guy that's shown that he can demand targets. And that whole wide receiver core is so uninspiring anyway that somebody's got to pop. And I don't think that Daniel Jones even has the time to get the ball to Hyatt downfield often. Um, so unless the offensive line has any help, you know, that, um, you know, the one, you know, potential kind of stud guy that they might have for put up some, you know, big plays, you know, it's just not going to happen because he can't get the ball out there. So I don't know. And yeah, yeah. Ballers, you know, the de facto wide receiver one in that lineup. I don't know. At the end of it, it's, he's a, he's a jag. If you need points, uh, a jag, if you need points, it could come in handy, <clears throat> excuse me, this week, not only because of buys, but you think about all the other injury issues too that, that are coming into, we'll get to that in a second, but the giants are playing on Sunday night football. They are 14 point dogs on the road. This could be a back end Wandale Robinson start. That's something to be paying attention to, especially if you're dealing with, again, some bye weeks or, or injury issues and the injury issues, you mentioned it already, Anthony Richardson gut punch, right? And then fantasy players woke up today to find out that Devon HN is expected to miss a few weeks. And Justin Jefferson, already put on um, injured reserve and Adam Schefter from ESPN speculating, not reporting, speculating today that there's a non-zero chance that he doesn't return this season, which was a huge gut punch. Um, that is, is bad if you have Jefferson on your teams. However, if you don't, and if you're looking to capitalize, obviously Jordan Addison makes for a fantastic start anytime Jefferson's out. Obviously TJ Hawkinson going to see a ton of targets now going forward. But the, the wild card in this, Chris, is sort of K.J. Osborne. Now, he's owned in some FFPC leagues. He's quite frankly owned in a lot of FFPC leagues. Um, but what about the players that are thinking of starting him this first week without Justin Jefferson? And, oh, by the way, the Vikings are taking on the 1-4 and four Chicago mm -hmm. Bears this week. Osborne, as a start, where do you stand on that coming up on week six, Chris Birchby? 
I mean, if you if you have him and you're lucky enough to have him at this point in the year, you probably haven't been playing him, and this is what you're holding him for. I mean, if he can't, you know, you, again, it's it's one of those situations. If you're not playing him, you have to be your fortunate position. You have a stacked team mm-hmm. that doesn't need those points. But you know, even again, you listen to the coaches; they're like he's stepping right into the 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 alpha slot. I think he was already getting um, uh, more snaps than Addison anyway. I mean, he's he's. It's not like he's just been sitting on, sitting there hanging out. He's stepping right on in, and he's he's going to soak up. You know, he's he's nobody can replace Jefferson. But if I had him, which I I don't almost anywhere, it's it's insane. Um, and he's only available in just a couple leagues. Um, you know, and it seems like a, maybe a couple dynasty leagues more than even kind of uh, uh, the regular season leagues. Um, yeah, he's going to be probably the number one waiver guy this week for sure. Um, yeah, if you have him, a, if you're starting him, unless you've got some sort of stacked team and you feel like you don't need to, but I mean, this is the week to start him. This is why you drafted him and why you held him just for something like this. And and so, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, Chris, but not only are you starting him, but you're expecting starters numbers from him right out of the gate, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I would. I don't even know what they have his point expectation to be, but yeah, I'd have to think for FFPC, it's probably got to be like 13, 14, something like that. Yeah. Which which makes, I mean, and again, you're talking about a, a week again with, with the injuries and bye week issues. Like he makes it for a fine start uh, this week in uh, in FFPC leagues. Let's uh, let's go over to the tight end position. I do a local radio show here in Northeast Wisconsin, a local fantasy football show. In addition to that, Chris, and we every week we have to pick a pickup of the week, a sleeper of the week, a stud of the week, and a bust of the week. I picked up a bust of the week this past week, heading into week five. I have been the def- uh, the, the the ardent defender of Kyle Pitts. I have said, listen, this guy's got all the talent in the world. They just need to throw to him. They just need to use him properly, and he will put up numbers. Finally, I I gave in. I lost faith. Week five, Kyle Pitts was my bust of the week, and what does he do? He puts up 19.2 fantasy points in the FFPC. Um, your, Your question here is, how much of an outlier was that performance? Can we expect more going forward? And quite frankly, what FFPC players want to know, what do I do with Kyle Pitts going forward? I mean, you know, I'll start this by saying I am a giant Pitts fan so much so that when we were doing, there was a new 5,000 dynasty startup this year. I traded up for the 201 and I drafted Kyle Pitts over Amon Ross St. Brown. And boy, does that hurt. Do I come back there and just... You know, and, and meanwhile, I have Sam Laporta everywhere. I, I have him in um, – he's one of my most owned dynasty guys. I have 12, uh, 20, uh, 21 dynasty leagues on FFBC. Um, I have him in um, uh, more than a third of them. I think I have him, uh, I don't know, maybe like eight uh, or something like that. You know, and, and I and I drafted in the first round. I think I was, I was uh, a later first-round pick. Maybe I had like um, the ninth or tenth – I think I was the tenth pick or something like that. And I and I uh, what well, I went with Gibbs in the beginning, and I was thinking about just doing this Detroit stack, and I, I had it all right there in front of me. And if I didn't take Pitts, I um, and instead where I would have taken Laporta, I took um, Kadarius Tony. I mean, this is how bad it is in retrospect when I look back there. This is the league where I also drafted. I was punting guys. I was taking a lot of young guys. I picked up three first round picks for next year, and um, and I was picking up a bunch of veterans, one of whom was Thielen, and I dropped Thielen first week. So this team just goes, you know, it's it's bad and bad and bad, you know. But then I also uh, I picked up first week on waivers Puka Nakua, um, I've Julian McLaughlin, you know, I, I you know I've redeemed myself in many other ways, and somehow I'm in the sixth spot and still like fighting for a, a playoff thing. Anyway, long way of getting to I I, I love Pitts, um, I I want to support Pitts. Um, I do. I want to say this is an outlier note because I have him everywhere. I have a ton of pits. However, um, you know, when I look at this, his snap share this last week, the snap rate was only 53%, the lowest all season. Week four, he had 64%. Week three, it's 78%. So his snap share has been decreasing. Um, what do you, I don't know what to. Uh, but you still rate. love him. You still love him, Chris. I still have, but I will say he had 11 targets, even though he had a 53% snap rate. 11 targets is the most targets 
any Falcon has had in a single game all season. Mm. So, you know, it's, uh, did they, uh, you know, is he the squeaky wheel? I'm, I always, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a big fan of the squeaky wheel. Um, you know, Dallas Goddard was the squeaky wheel this last week where, you know, the coaches came out and said, listen, we know we need to get on the ball. He's still a big part of the offense. Um, you know, they got him the ball and he's a monster, you know, and Kyle Pitts was a little bit of that as well. Um, so I wouldn't have this week because I, I was waiting for, you know, one of these games because the coaches, I mean, at some point, you know, Arthur Smith, he, they have to, you know, they have to get Pitts the ball. Is it sustainable? I don't know. I mean, he certainly, there's TD regression, but then you're results oriented and you can't be that. Right. You know, is it, it, uh, so, I mean, uh, am I, I'm starting him probably in two thirds of the leagues I have him right now. And it's really just dependent on, on you know, who, what the, the makeup of the rest of the team is. I mean, I, I, I would love to say go for it, but he scares me. Let me ask you this. We'll, we'll do a, qu- a quick uh, would you rather here on, on week six, uh, Kyle Pitts. Would you, and, and this FFPC player is going to be facing this, would you rather play uh, Kyle Pitts at home against the Commanders or Logan Thomas, who's in that same game against Atlanta in Atlanta? Who would you rather play? God, that is tough. That is that is tough because I, you know, I say it's tough because the answer is Logan Thomas, but it's tough. At least I I feel like it is because um, of just how he he smashed. And I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I know his his target rate um, was off the charts, you know, relative to the other um, receivers. And since he's been playing, you know, he has um, he has he has a couple of weeks of that. So um, it's not just a one off game. You know, they're they're targeting him. Um, not, even though he's, I don't know, what, 33 years old? Yeah, he, he's not a young man. Not a young man. You know, where's the juice there? And Pitts is, you know, he's got all the juice in the world. Um, I mean, but, yeah, it's, it's there at home. And, you know, maybe, he, you know, they just showed something. Can it continue? Yeah. I, I'll tell you what, whatever I say is going to be the wrong answer. So <laughs> I'll say I'll say Logan Thomas because I have no Logan Thomas and I have lots of Pitts. Lots of Pitts, so yeah. I'm, that's, I'm going, I mean, that's another way I'm going to say it. I don't have any Logan Thomas. I don't even know if he's available on the waivers anywhere anymore. Probably not. no. He may he may not be. And and the only way probably that people are making this decision if they if they drafted Pitts early and they got Thomas late. Um, similar to that, uh, you talked about uh, being a young guy. What about another guy, a young guy in Dallas who is going to be playing Monday Night Football against the Chargers this week? And Jake Ferguson, a guy who is a former Badger, right from my stomping grounds here in the state of Wisconsin. Would you play Jake Ferguson on Monday Night Football at Los Angeles uh, over Kyle Pitts this week? No. So you're still going Pitts over uh, Ferguson? No, I'm going Pitts. I'm going Pitts there. Let me roll one more at you. Kyle Pitts at home against the Commanders or Zach Ertz, who is also in Los Angeles but against the Rams this week. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I got to go Pitts. I got to go Pitts there too. All right. All right. I, I, I'm with you on that. Like, I, I mean, it's it would be hard for me if I had any of those decisions. The toughest one would be Logan Thomas versus Kyle Pitts. I still think I'd roll with Pitts, but it is very close. But I'm for sure starting him over Ferguson. I'm for sure starting him over Zach Ertz. Moving on to the backfield here. By the way, I found one fantasy pro league where Logan Thomas is still available on waivers right now. Oh, there you go. Well, congratulations. And when we're, uh, you can attribute this 
to your appearance on the lowdown because maybe <laughs> yeah. you never would have looked for Logan Thomas. You know what? You know who I'm starting right now on that team? Kyle Pitts. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this it's fate. It's I have Irv Smith and Luke Musgrave as well, but I would uh you know, let me drop Irv Smith here. Yeah, uh, for sure. I, you know, yeah, do it. Yeah, I like And Musgrave's an interesting guy. We can get into Musgrave here a little bit because I know when I was commissioning a lot of drafts towards the end of drafting season and I was commissioning some live events out at the uh, Planet Hollywood Resort at in Las Vegas for the FFPC live events, there was a lot of people that started to pick up steam on Luke Musgrave. And I was a big fan of Luke Musgrave too coming into the season. And uh, one of the the Packers pundits I follow on, on, on the X said one of the cons against Musgrave this year is that he doesn't break a whole lot of tackles. We saw it last night against the Raiders on Monday night football caught like six balls, but first contact, boom, he was going down. There's still some value in that Chris, but man, like I think all the people that had the opportunity to draft Laporta or Musgrave and took Musgrave are, are kicking themselves right now. Musgrave could still be valuable, but I think his, his value is a little bit muted right now based on what we're seeing from him personally and what we're seeing from the Packers offense. Yeah. Unfortunately, I, for me, I seem to have Musgrave and Kincaid on a lot of teams. Mm. I mean, I did it on, um, for example, I did a 3k auction in um, out of planet Hollywood and I, we got uh, Musgrave for three bucks and Kincaid maybe for like 11. I mean, it's a two, $200 starting right. um, uh, budget there. You know, and that's a weekly sit-start headache for me. Um, I did um, uh, – I have one uh, co-managed team um, that I did, and it was, uh, I was lucky uh, uh, to have a friend, um, uh, David Hubbard, pick up. I was unable to be there in um, Vegas for the final draft for this one. I had to make it home. I was coaching my son's soccer team. And so um, he drafted, and, and we're doing it together, which was a lot of fun. Yeah, two white two uh, tight ends on that team, Kincaid and Musgrave. You know, and I'm finding them, they're paired on a number of my teams. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's always, it's, I was hoping that one of them would separate at some point. Certainly it looked like Musgrave kind of was, even though I think Kincaid is the better situation is the better player, but um, yeah, well, we'll see. Hopefully, you know, young guys, neither of them traditionally, you know, are supposed to be popping so much, you know, Sam Laporta, obviously, wow, what an outlier for a rookie tight end to be yeah. so dominant, but those, Again, that when you look at that college production and that whole offense at Iowa, all they did was funnel the ball through the portal. Um, and it, it, that's like uh, back to how we started with Puka Nakua. You look at their college production and how these coaches schemed the players the ball and looked, you know, they want to keep their job as well. Everyone wants to keep their job and say, hey, let's give the best guy the football as much as possible. Sometimes it's just that simple. And hey. Sam Porta, in retrospect, that's all, you know, that his numbers and what they did there. He was an obvious slam dunk. It's crazy to think about his dynasty value in the FFPC right now, too. Like the, yeah. the tight end premium, it's insane. I remember I was doing, uh, I think it was the High Stakes Fantasy Football Show on the Better Sorts Network, and I had uh, Thor Nystrom on from Fantasy Pros, who is an expert uh, when it comes to NFL draft analysis. And we were talking about Sam Laporta when everybody else at this time, this was back in like February, March, and everybody else is talking about Michael Mayer and Dalton Kincaid and Musgrave. And he said, like, remember that Sam Laporta was the only thing keeping the Iowa Hawkeyes last year from having one of the worst college offenses in college football history, at least in the last century, right? And that's kind of stuck in my head, and I got him in a few leagues, and certainly he's been crushing it. And quite frankly, with, with uh, you know, Jamison Williams kind of behind the curve, obviously Amon Ross St. Brown missed last week. Like, Laporta has been relied upon and been performing like a veteran tight end, which is impressive uh, for him. And if we, you know, I'm already thinking, I was, I'm always thinking ahead, Chris, thinking about 2024 drafts where Sam Laporta could go in the FFPC. It, it could be crazy. could be out of control. Um, we, uh, it's all going to be deserved. I mean, listen, in, yes. that, in the Detroit offense and where he is, I mean, um, I don't know if there's, you know, a, you know, where I haven't even thought about it, but I mean, he's going to be second, third, third round yeah. you know, guy. Um, and it's going to be deserved. Um, a guy who is deserving more touches in Denver right now is J Jaleel McLaughlin. He goes to Arrowhead this week. He's going to take on the Chiefs on Thursday night football. Um, Javante Williams, we heard the report today from, I think Sean, Sean Payton said it at his press conference. Javante Williams was close to playing this past yeah. week. He did not. Uh, Samaj P. Ryan is doing P. Ryan type things where he's, he's not wowing us, but 
he's not, you know, totally, um, you know, vomiting all over himself. Like he's, he's doing yeoman's work basically. But when you talk about McLaughlin and the excitement level that he brings to that offense, the big playability he brings to that offense, the fact that he is a pass catcher, which we covet in high stakes fantasy football, how close to startable is he this week? Again, against the tough defense in the Chiefs, but what could be a positive game script for him in the second half for a pass-catching running back chops that McLaughlin has already exhibited? Where do you stand at Jaleel McLaughlin this week? Well, you're – I mean, I was – I'm I'm lukewarm on him, and I'll get there, but you're actually just hyping, hyping me up a little bit more on him than, uh, than I was. And I like how you say what – what might be a positive game script for him in the second half against Kansas City? I mean, they're uh, they're obviously. I mean, they're going to be playing from behind a big way. I was, um, yeah, I, I heard the same soundbite from Sean Payton this week, and you know, so yeah, Javante is going to be in. Um, you know, again, uh, Sanje, this uh, definition of a jag. Um, although Payton brought him in and you know promised him a bigger role there, but he's also got to be thinking about his, um, you know, what his uh, impression so far on the community and in the, with the fans. And, you know, the only thing exciting so far for Broncos this season, um, it's maybe Julio McLaughlin and what they have in him. Uh, and, you know, he's a shifty, elusive back. Um, you know, they, he, I think he had nine carries this last game for, uh, I don't have it in front of me, but it was close to 70 yards or something like that. And Samaje had um, six for, um, I don't even, you know, it was like 15 yards. <laughs> uh, again, I don't know the exact numbers, but it was around there. Um, so, um, you know, am I starting him? You know, it's, it's, you know, he's, uh, I think he's going to get run. I ceiling his cap with Javante. Um, but, you know, the cat's been let out of the bag at this point. They can't put it back in, nor I don't think they want to because um, I think Sean, Sean Payton's uh, kind of very, um, uh, aware of, of how he's perceived at all times and his team or thing. Yeah. I just feel like he's going to, you know, he doesn't want to sit the hot hand right now um, with a team that's already off to such a bad start when the fans would be like, you know, dude, why are you doing that? I think he's kind of aware of that. It's just my guess. Um, so, you know, I think, you know, I kind of find him in a funny tier with um, Zach Moss in a lot of my teams where I'm, I'm, I'm in a sit start dilemma. And these are the guys that I'm trying to figure out. Um, do I want to, do I want to take one more stab at Zach? Man, I, I, he burned me last week. Uh, <laughs> I sat him everywhere and I have him, I, you know, I mentioned before, he's one of my most owned guys. He's in two thirds of my main event teams and he was on the bench in every single one of them. And I could have used those points in every single one of them. Um, but, uh, but, you know, he's, he's on that cusp for me. So he's, he's in, you know, in the, he's a flex cusp player that I'm deciding between in a lot of leagues. And I'm just guessing I'll have him 50% starting for how um, much I have him rostered. All right. So I know stats don't play well on, on podcasts, but I'll read this to you. So McLaughlin was the leading rusher for the Broncos against the Jets this past week. Nine carries, 68 yards. And he also chipped in three catches for 21 yards and a touchdown. That's a really good performance. Until I tell you that Samaj P. Ryan, while pedestrian on the ground, six carries for 22 yards, and I had to I had to rub my eyes yeah, on more this. More yards one. than I thought. Yeah, he had more yards than I thought. But get this, Samaj P. Ryan, four catches for 73 yards for the Broncos. I did not realize that he led the Broncos in receiving ahead of Cortland Sutton, ahead of Marvin Mims, ahead of Jerry Judy. It was insane for, for Pirine. So um, I, I think we have to utilize caution. I think McLaughlin is, is an exciting player to keep on our benches. To use him this week against Kansas City on Thursday night, again, a short week that the Broncos will be on. And Chiefs will be on a short week as well. The Broncos are 10.5-point dogs with a total at 47.5. McLaughlin's going to be interesting. Given that's the it's the first game of the week, I, I tend to not be too um, um, uh, liberal with my with my start sits at, at that point. Mm-hmm. I tend to go a little bit, you know, um, you know, higher floor, lower ceiling. I don't think I could start McLaughlin uh, this week, but I think it's interesting for teams that might be in a bind, Chris, that might have to. 
Yeah. See, I think I'm starting him a little bit more than, than you are there yeah. um, for kind of where I have him. Um, but I also, you know, Thursday night games are such an emotional component to it too. Cause if you make the right bet, you feel great. Oh yeah. Day. DJ Moore last week. Oh man. Yeah. David Montgomery killed me in a couple teams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah. And DJ Moore did as well. I had, I had a couple of those him sitting as well and just crushed. Um, but you know, it's, it's um, I, I'm not expecting big things. I mean, he's another, I don't want to compare him to, to Juan Dale's kind of situation, but there, 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 you know, it's, there are some similarities when you look at his, you know, I think he's, um, I think he's got a kind of a higher floor. If they're going to, they're going to try to get him the ball. They, they, what explosive playmakers do they have right now that maybe against Kansas city, they're, they're going to want to showcase they're on Thursday night. All eyes are on them. And he just had a, he just had a big game. He's the talk of the town. So, you know, it's just kind of tough from a coaching's perspective to bottle that up and not give him opportunities. You know, I don't know. Is he going to see 12 touches maybe? Um, what's he going to do with them? Um, you know, and that's for me, that's where he falls on. He's like just at that bottom of the flex for most of my FPC and main event teams. Just is he, is, am I sneaking him in there or not? Um, what are my running back options? But again, there's guys that I'm like, okay, Miles Sanders or him, you know, I'm, I'm probably sitting Miles Sanders. Right. Um, I know I'm sitting Miles Sanders. Um, uh, who else? Um, Ramondre Stevenson is another guy that I'm like finding myself in a predicament. And I'm like, gosh, you know, and Ramondre has such a higher point, a total expectation, at least as far as like what, you know, the projections have in most sites, including on FFBC, but I mean, I mean, Jaleel or um, uh, Ramadre, I uh, might be pulling the trigger on Jaleel. So that's where it gets a little tougher for me. What, what about this one? Jaleel McLaughlin at Kansas City on Thursday or Damian Pierce at home against the Saints? I'm going Pierce. Pierce. Okay. All right. Um, let's do one. Actually, I'm, let me say this. I, I, I want to get into this later on. Uh, with McLaughlin. I might bring this up again. We'll see how, how we're doing on time. James Cook, I want to talk with you about. James Cook was a guy that I think a lot of people, as drafting season wore on, especially at the end of it, he was rising, 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 had some pretty good games to the start uh, of the season, and then he put up this clunker across the pond. Five carries, negative four yards. He did have three catches for 25 yards. This is against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, you look at James Cook uh, going forward. He gets a plum matchup this week. Uh, against the New York Giants. This is on uh, Sunday Night Football. Yeah, Sunday Night Football. The Bills are 14-point favorites. you got to play Cook in this matchup, but how disconcerting was it for you to see what James Cook did in that Bills offense uh, in London on Sunday morning? You, you know, it's it was bad, but if, you, if you're going to put him next to the other running backs and just what the overall running back situation for the Bills was that game, you know, it wasn't really an outlier. His snap share is 62%. Basically, he had the same snap share he's had all season in that game. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody produced. It's not like the other guys were, you know, wowing Damian Harris and Latavius Murray. I mean, they're not, they, you know, nobody was doing anything. So I'm just hopefully, I'm looking at it as an outlier. Um, disappointed, yes. Am I starting him with a little more trepidation in some places? Yes. Um, but I think, you know, I'm still, still having to go for it. Um, until I see, you know, snap share and target share and just opportunity start shifting, you have to think it's it's just game script and a bad game and a, and a one-off for them. And again, it's not like one of the other guys is popping and maybe the coaches are shifting over some of their responsibilities. Yeah, obviously he's not going to be getting as much goal line in that offense, but he never was. So that's not what you're starting him for. Um, and yeah, should he, when they're down, should he have been getting the ball more in space and um, you know, some dump offs. Uh, yeah. And it didn't happen. And I don't know why, but, um, uh, I'm, I'm sticking with him in, in probably the majority of my spots. Yeah. I mean, this is a perfect get right game for him. So what, what he means on this bill's offense going forward, that's a larger question that we can answer later that I always like to say, that's a problem for future me. I'm not going to worry about it right now because you are playing James cook in week six on Sunday Night Football against the Giants. Let's get back to the Zach Moss conversation. Um, I'm with you. I had him on several leagues. And, and and I'm quite frankly, Chris, I'm not really beating myself up over sitting him. I didn't play him in any leagues this past week. 
I never really considered it. Like the the start sit uh, decisions that drive me crazy are the ones I sit and think about and I hem and haul over, and then I make the wrong call because I was this close to starting the correct guy. Uh, quite frankly, I was never close to starting Moss this week. With the return of Jonathan Taylor, I thought that was going to gum up the works. It didn't, and Moss crushed it. Um, it is what it is for week five. We move forward. But now we're in week six. Uh, to quote um, Kevin Costner in draft day, we live in a brand new world than, than what we were in 10 seconds ago, right? Like now we got to figure out what we're doing with Zach Moss this week against the team we are just talking about. They go to Jacksonville, do the Indianapolis Colts this week. Probably going to be with Gardner Minshew. What do you think about Moss this week? Second week for Jonathan Taylor. Can we still squeeze some juice out of the orange that is Zach Moss in week six? Well, I mean, this is something that I learned first in poker, you know, about you don't want to be results oriented if you made the right play. Um, and I was with you in the same way, line of thinking last week. But I looked back and was second guessing and what did I miss? And, you know, maybe with some of the coach speak, we're going to ramp them up. Um, they're still talking that now that they have Minshew, um, you know, they're going to rely on their ground game a little bit more, or at least, you know, there's obviously less quarterback runs or designated runs there. Mm -hmm. um, so I think we still have a week left of juice to squeeze in the, you know, the Zach Moss orange. And I, it's funny, I have him in some leagues with um, Taylor and I'm starting them both. Um, at least right now, as I went through my first quick, you know, looking around, um, yeah, and part of it, like, and I also, I hate making a, you know, that's a real common play there. I don't want to miss any of the upside and, uh, um, but maybe there's even a high floor for both of them. I mean, you, you have to figure at some point, Zach Moss is going to be a 25%, um, snap share guy. And when does that happen? I'm guessing three weeks, right? You know, every week it's going to be a little bit more JT. They just gave him a big salary. Of course, they, you know, they're in the, they're in the hunt right now. Their team's performing well. You know, Moss is smashing behind that offensive line. Of course, JT should have a, uh, you know, a, a career year behind that line per game once he gets going. So you don't want to miss out on that. But I think how well Zach is playing. I, and now that they have JT under contract, it's different if he's on a one-year contract. You know, they just sign him to a long-term contract. If you're ownership and Zach is crushing and Zach's on for like nothing, it's like, well, do we want to run the tread out on this guy a little bit? Will we, you know, ramp up our, you know, our expensive racehorse that we have now for, you know, the next three years? Um, and, you know, the more I kind of think about it like that, I mean, yeah, I, I'm playing Zach this year, uh, this week, in um, probably at least 50% of my teams. I, um, I Go ahead. Yeah, we'll see. But I own them in 67% or so of my main event teams and and uh, just a ton of uh, – across the board, I own them everywhere. I think uh, – and I haven't made any hard and fast decisions on this, but I'm definitely much closer to starting him this week at Jacksonville than I was last week, and he probably will be starting. You say 50%. I'm probably going to be right around there as well. Um, I don't I don't think I own him as much as you, but I definitely own him in a lot of spots, and, and, and he's probably going to be starting at least half of them going forward. Um, we are a day away from the fab run in the FFPC, which is going to be coming up 10 o'clock p.m. Wednesday night. Chris, I don't know how closely you've, you've looked at this so far. We have not brought up uh, the Arizona Cardinals running back situation with James Conner being placed on IR. We don't know what the situation is with Keonta Ingram. And there is Amari DeMarcado uh, in Arizona, a guy who played pretty well last week, a guy that some high-stakes players I know were on already the last couple of weeks. Um, you can talk about him if you want, if you like him this week, or maybe if you don't like him, tell us why. And then um, just anybody else that you're looking on the waiver wire this week as you try to formulate your rosters for week six, who you're sort of looking at um, uh, uh, as far as bids go on the waiver wire tomorrow. Well, Ingram was one of my most owned. I, you know, I ran off a couple of my percentages for these guys earlier, and you know, he was a, you know, I don't know, my fifth-ranked guy that I have. Overall, but that includes best ball. You know, I dropped them in some, and I had the Mercado in, a, in some. I think I have them in out of 21 main event teams. I have them in, I think, six of them right now mm -hmm. um, already. I don't have them in many of my um, uh, the FBG uh, uh, ones, um, but um, the Fantasy Pros Championship ones, I don't have them in, in many of those um, uh, yet. Um, you yeah, know, but 
you know, he, he's still, he's like a question mark for me. I don't really know that much. I was just looking him up. I mean, was he, he was in you know, five-year TCU? I think he never really a starter, uh, um, but he's always hung around. And I mean, I just, I just don't know that much about him, but it's about opportunity. He's got the opportunity. Ingram, you know, it, it was his neck. He was out, but he was their guy before. They were saying, listen, it, it, the coach speak in the preseason was high on him. And I thought, you know, Connor is a guy that gets injured. Um, they have nobody else in that running back room. Um, they're going to be playing from behind a lot. Ingram's also cat, a pass catching guy. Um, I saw, you know, an upside potential that didn't kind of match his ADP when you're looking for handcuffs relative to other handcuffs that are going higher. Um, but, uh, but now, I mean, that there's obviously a wrench tossed in the whole thing. So I think you just take stabs at both of them. Um, uh, you know, is it Demar Demarcado? I can't even say his name. Yeah, Demarcado. Yep. Um, you know, I, if I was putting a little bit a, a fab out for either one of them, maybe I put a little bit more fab out for him. Um, but I'd just be putting fab out for both and just seeing which which sticks if if they're available. Um, obviously Osborne's like the number one guy this week. Um, to get, you know, um, if I'm thinking about you know other you know, guys to get. And I was looking around earlier and um, similar to Logan Thomas, I found one league where um, Keaton Mitchell was still available. Um, he's a guy that I've been snapping up um, quite a bit because um, I'm high on him for the rest of the year in that backfield. Um, so, you know, if he's available in any of these, you know, leagues out there, you know, I assume I'm playing against a lot of people that are listening <laughs> to this in, in one league or, or another. So, you know, uh, but I really, I don't think I'm holding too many, you know, there's no gems I'm holding back really because uh, this week, you know, it's, you know, outside of guys like that. I mean, you know, I don't know, are people taking stabs at Chase Claypool thinking maybe, you know, finally he's going to come back to, you know, that uh, how he popped as a year one guy. I mean, the guy just can't get his head on right. He's his own worst enemy and players like that. Um, you almost never, you never see them kind of come back. Um but I mean, I don't know. In that in that offense and that coaching system, the fresh start, he's he's a guy I just you know stick something out on. I mean, uh, listen, I, I still have a flame out for Justin Ross. Um, the candle hasn't fully extinguished there, but it's going out really quick. You know, I found if I have a total just no, nothing guy, you know, maybe I'll try to sneak him back on for you know um, a penny on a team somewhere. But you know, he's that's just because it you know Rice is maybe looking like the best guy there. Yeah, but nobody's really popping is somebody going to come out in the season you know but that's real bottom of the barrel there i mean that's like the ultimate deep pick i mean there's 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 it's, i don't think it's a great week for waivers outside of a couple of those running backs i i think you're right on that like there's nobody i'm, I'm super excited about getting back to claypool real quick i was holding on to him in a couple of my dynasty leagues because i just wanted to see where he'd end up and then i'm like okay well he ends up in miami tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle are there. Obviously, those running backs. I could probably cut him now. And then I read the quote that Mike McDaniel said he really wanted to get Chase Claypool because he's fast. And yeah. that whole Dolphins offense is predicated on speed. And then I got to thinking, well, Waddle's no stranger to the trainer's table. Tyreek Hills has has gone down. Like, I wonder what would happen if Chase Claypool was the number two wide receiver on that offense for a week or two. And now I'm not so sure what to do with them. And I think there's going to be people, especially because as you just said, it's, it's not a big waiver wire week. And, and I look at, at the bye weeks, we only have two teams on bye this week, not four, only the Packers, only the Steelers, not a lot of fantasy goodness on either of those teams um, that, that people are, are missing out on. So maybe this is the week to take a stab on a guy like Claypool, see what happens, see how it turns out. I don't know. Um, I can't imagine people are going to be going crazy for him, but I, I can't imagine that people will be taking a couple stabs at him because it's all about fit. And it seems like Claypool is behind uh, some pretty talented players in Miami, Chris. But if he gets the opportunity, man, you don't know what could happen with Claypool. Well, just like, I mean, you can tell a story just like you're doing to the, his path to, to relevancy. And, you know, if the storyline is there, I mean, that's the first step to, you know, yeah, it could happen in an alternate universe. Maybe it's already happening. I mean, you know, that I, I mentioned some bad dynasty trades that I've made before. Um, uh, I traded right after the rookie draft with Waddle. I traded Waddle for 
played pool. And he was, their ranking was just about the same uh, across like all different consensuses. Then, you know, what did Claypool had 800 and I don't know, something yards in his mm-hmm. rookie season, you know, and he looked like an alpha stud. And I was thinking to myself, well, you know, I'll just take a burden hand on this one. We've, he's already shown at the NFL level what he can do. It's all upside from here. You know, Waddle is still the unknown. Let me let me make the play on the guy that's that's shown me something already. Well, we also know how that played out. So, um, you know, I, I just checked earlier this week. I mean, I have my 21 dynasty teams. He's not on any of them anymore. And finally, I cut the bait on Claypool. But, you know, is it time? Is he going to reel me back in? Oh, gosh. I don't well, know. At least this way, Chris, if he does really back in, it's, it's a much lower stakes. Than, <laughs> yeah. Like the, the thing, like I, I, I just come into my mind when you were talking about it. I know I can think of off the top of my head at least three, probably more, but at least three trades I turned down for Claypool that involved me getting a first round rookie pick the following mm-hmm. year. And I was like, oh, man, I, I got to keep Claypool for that. But it's one of those things. Like you just, like we can pretend we know what's going on. We don't. Like we're just making the best possible decisions with all the information that's that's you know at our disposal, and we go forward from there, um, which is is not unlike submitting lineups for the following week too. Um, and I know I'm asking you this early, and there's a lot of information we simply don't have yet. But as you look towards week six, is there a player out there that you think not a lot of people are starting that perhaps they should be starting? And conversely, is there a player that everybody or at least a lot of people are going to be rolling out that you're saying you're doing the Lee Corso. Not so fast, my friend. This guy maybe should not be started in week six, even though he's going to be started by a lot of FFPC players. You, you know, this is this is a tough one. And I honestly, I wish I had some good answers here. I really don't. I mean, <laughs> the guy that I'm concerned about, John, we, you know, we've talked about a lot more here, Jonathan Taylor. You know, I think I'm still starting him everywhere I have him. Do I like doing it? No. Um but you know, uh, I'm still I'm doing it, um, and that's not good. Guys that make me uncomfortable that I still see as I just took a quick perusal through, you know, some of my teams and some of the uh, you know the decisions that I had that looked like tougher ones. Like I see guys like hey, Chris Godwin. I mean, he still has a, a you know a nice projection for the week, um, but I mean he's been a real one B in that offense. And although every you know everything in that offense is surprising right now. Do I feel comfortable starting him anywhere? No, I don't. Um, but the projection numbers say that I should be starting him in places. Yeah, I'm going to have to think about him a lot more and do do some work because you know it didn't it didn't kind of jive. And you know I mentioned before same things like guys like Ramondre Stevenson or Miles Sanders, where you know right now as it is right now when I look uh, to make some sit you know um, start questions on the team, the projections as they're being spit out by the software don't match my perception of what they should be doing. But then conversely, it's the same thing with guys like, you know, Jaleel McLaughlin and uh, Zach Moss, who I think should be higher um, than they are. So, um, you know, and those are, those are guys we've already talked about. So outside of that, I'm not, I'm not really sure um, if I, you know, I don't have anybody else I can, I can really toss out there, but happy to answer any, you know, questions. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it's it, it, and it's weird, like, because I know I'm, I'm asking this question early in the week, and and you want to, you know, the 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 storylines that are going to define this week are Anthony Richardson replacements, Justin Jefferson replacements, Devon Achan replacements. If you are deep at at running back or receiver, you're probably going to be okay. If not, you're going to have to figure something out. If you have a good backup between, like we had uh, Mike Shope from WGR 550 mm-hmm. Buffalo Radio. I know you drafted against him in the Bare Knuckle yeah. Challenge out, out in Las Vegas. Oh, yeah. We had him on the HSFF uh, show on Better Sports Network last week, and and we were talking about um, his quarterback decisions. He's got like Anthony Richardson and Tua Tunga-Vailoa decisions like every single week where he's got them on the same team on like several teams. And yeah, it stinks that Richardson's hurt, but at least his decision is making it. It's, it's easier now going forward knowing he's going to play Tunga-Vailoa. That's what we're looking for. Um, I think one of the most underrated things, and and maybe it's underrated because it's it's so tough to, to ascertain and get a finger on, is lineup um, submissions on Sunday mornings. Like it is – it can be so hit or miss from some of the, the best players out there, yourself included, Chris, and, and stuff like that can just drive you crazy. We talked about the Moss thing earlier. 
Um, but it's not limited to that. I mean, there's plenty of stuff that happens each and every week, and you're like, God, how did I ever start this guy over this guy? Drives us nuts every single week. So as you were talking, I was looking up another guy that we didn't mention or talk about, Jeff Wilson. Oh, example, yeah. Guy for waiver, you know, jump, jump back to waiver. I just found him in one of my one main event, uh, one fantasy pros. I think I have um, uh, 46 fantasy pros or 21 main event. So, yeah, just for relative of how often he's available out there, I mentioned that. Um, yeah, unfortunately, I only have 29 fab left in my main event here yeah. for this one. <laughs> Well, that's, I mean, um, like, but, at that point, you just put in the bid and whatever happens. Yeah, happens. maybe everyone's going to miss. Hopefully, if nobody's listening to the show right now, right. let's see some owners <laughs> on this one. Uh, uh, yeah. Oh, is that, is that the, yeah, some hammerheads. Hey, yeah, there's going to be, they, they's gonna, they're going to be taken. Um, but, uh, you know, that's those are guys, everyone should have been stashed in the last couple right. of weeks. I, I said a couple of weeks ago when when Achan and Mo, and Mostert were both running hot, I said, "Hey, Wilson's going to be opening up his his um his IR uh, to return here shortly, and that's a player if you have the room. Like it's always about at, uh, again the Deep End Fantasy Football Podcast. Adam Krautwurst uh, always says, "Don't drop running backs ever." When he says a little tongue in cheek, but that's the thing. Like you, you got to be able to. Darren Armani from Fantasy Mojo calls it the disaster recovery plan. You always got to have these players, these running backs, ready to go at a moment's notice because, quite frankly, it is opportunity for these guys. They just need the opportunity. Think about all the people that were stashing Joshua Kelly, and that didn't necessarily work out. But Jerome Ford, it's worked out. David, Devin A-Chain, uh, A-Chan uh, is, is another guy that a lot of people drafted as a third or fourth running back, and now, lo and behold, they kept him on their roster, and then they can deploy him. He's the second leading rusher in the NFL right now. It's 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 a weekly game. Can't stress that enough. And hopefully we gave you some good information and some entertainment tonight by the guy who has won 65 FFPC main event, uh, fantasy pros, dynasty leagues, bare knuckles uh, challenges over the years in Chris Birchby. You follow him on the X machine at Chris Birchby. Chris, wow, what a show. So much fun. So informative. Thank you so much for hanging out with me tonight. I really appreciate talking ball with you. Good luck the rest of the way in all your leagues, and uh, hopefully we'll hook up again real soon. Oh, man, Balky, what a what a pleasure! Thanks again for having me on here. You know, it's always so much fun. What a what a treat to just be able just to you know talk about this stuff for an hour. Um, so again, you know, really appreciate it. appreciate everything you guys do over there. You know, obviously, I I, I love playing on the site so much, and um, you know, if you. Uh, ever need me back I'm, I'm more than happy to be back but look forward to seeing you again in person soon uh if not uh next year obviously in vegas and for people that haven't done that that's the best um so much fun the community's awesome and um yeah i couldn't recommend it enough but again yeah thanks for having me it's been a lot of fun thank you chris appreciate the kind words be good good luck in week six and good luck bringing home a pair of million dollar grand prizes this year my friend wouldn't that be nice? That would be nice. Thank you so much, Chris Birchby, ladies and gentlemen. Joining me on the Road of His High Stakes Lowdown tonight, I uh, want to thank Chris for popping on. want to thank the FFPC and everybody, uh, Road of His, uh, who helps put this uh, podcast together each and every uh, single week. Uh, we will go live again. Literally just found out during the show tonight, uh, next week's guest at 10 p.m. Eastern time on Tuesday will be Paul Friel, a guy who has won six FFPC league titles over the years, a guy who's come very close to winning a massive seven-figure grand prize. He is going to be my guest next week. That'll be a lot of fun. High Stakes Fantasy Football Show is live at 7 o'clock this Thursday night, 7 o'clock Eastern time until 9 o'clock. Broto Fantasy uh, Football's Matt Ward will join me for the full two hours, and we'll get you uh, – uh, will be your two-screen experience as we lead right into that Chiefs-Broncos game coming up on Thursday night. High-stakes fantasy football hour with myself and Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship. Commissioner Farrell Elliott will go live at 10 o'clock this Friday night. We're going to have the Fantasy Pros Championship fourth-place team owner, Brian Carrero, uh, as our guest. That's going to be a lot of fun, so join us Friday night at 10, 9 central. Again, wherever you're watching this, we'll be on there as well. Go to myffpc.com to play in the FFPC Weekly Challenge. That's myffpc.com. There is no draft, no salary cap in this competition. It's a weekly game. You choose 10 players if you want to play without kickers and defenses. You choose 12 players if you want to play with kickers and defenses. Uh, and just get them in by that 1 p.m. Sunday kickoff. Watch them ride throughout the weekend's game. Remember, only 
one player per team. There is no stacking in this contest. One player per NFL team. Costs $35 or $200 to enter, and you can win up to $2,500. I remember to like, subscribe, comment, share, and get notified anytime we go live on this YouTube channel, which, again, will be Thursday evening at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Friendly reminder that there is yet another London game this week, so make sure you are getting your Ravens and your Titans in in time. That is a 9.30 a.m. Eastern time kickoff on Sunday morning. Once again, Baltimore and Tennessee. Get them in, get them out, whatever you need to do for week six. Thank you so much for watching, everybody. Really appreciate it, and we will talk with you again Thursday night. Thanks, everybody. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.